Hello and welcome to the QA Therapy Podcast. Are you looking to improve your overall testing and quality practices? My name is Sergio Freire and I'm a solution architect and a testing advocate at X-Ray. And my name is Cristiano Cunha and I'm also a solution architect and test advocate. And we'll be your hosts and QA therapists throughout this series. In this podcast, we're going to tackle some of the most common testing and quality challenges that we all face in our teams. So if this sounds good to you, keep on listening. Have you ever heard about keyword-driven frameworks or test automation tools that are low-code or no-code? Is there something in between? Can we have a tool or framework that can assist us in making test automation scripts in an easy way yet flexible one? Well, to assist us with this topic, we have a special guest with us, Pekka Clark. But before introducing him and welcoming him, let's see what's it's really bringing you here. What are the symptoms that you may have been feeling that has brought, us to, brought you to listen to this podcast? So do you or your team lack automation skills, but still want to implement some test automation scripts? Do you wish to implement test automation that goes beyond traditional web UI automation? Or even, do you feel that certain parts of your automation code are repetitive and wish you could easily abstract them? Do you wish to be able to implement several layers of abstraction from your test automation code? Or do you wish to have an automation tool that is easy to use and yet easy to extend? Or even do you feel it will be great if there were already some existing code blocks that you could reuse for your test automation scripts without you having to know the specifics of that particular protocol, interface, or other aspect? All these are symptoms that maybe you have or have not ever tried the keyword-driven testing framework. Maybe you have tried uh, to big and complex tools that promise uh, great automation capabilities or, or others that are just too simple and that don't address your needs and that usually fail on customization capabilities. Let's dive a bit into this topic. And today we have here with us Pekka Clark, our expert QA therapist to assist on diagnosis and prescription on these symptoms related uh, to test automation. Pekka was the creator of Robert Framework and works together with the Robert Framework Foundation to improve Robert Framework and its ecosystem. Welcome, Pekka. Are you comfortable on our QA therapy couch? Thanks. Uh, yeah, I hope to be able to help at least with Robot Framework and topics related to that. And uh, great to be here. Awesome. So, so let's start with the first, let's say, a first let's, historical kind of question. Why and how was Robot Framework born for the newcomers that uh, don't know about it? So why, why it was created? Um, well, I started my uh, career in testing and in test automation right after the millennium in 2000 and uh, got somehow hooked with test automation from the very beginning and I had been was creating different kind of test automation solutions in various different kind of projects. And uh, at some, some, sometime they also kind of realized, okay, I may need to 
it would be a good idea for me to graduate from the university and I needed a, a subject to study for my master's thesis and uh, I decided to study test automation frameworks more precisely keyword-driven frameworks and data-driven frameworks. I had noticed while implementing kind of that kind of frameworks for various projects that there's kind of a lot of similarities and I'm often writing similar kind of loggers and similar kind of parsers for the test data and I was thinking that there might be something reusable there. So that was kind of the research idea that, okay, let's, let's see what kind of common components could be created. And interestingly enough, then uh, after the prototypes that I created, uh, it came clear that we could actually have totally generic keyword driven framework that could, wasn't only like uh, some kind of uh, components that you could, you could use, but instead the core itself would be totally generic and could be reused. And that was how it got started. Well, that was basically the concept, but then um, the next step in the history was that a colleague of mine, Petri Harpio, was working for Nokia Networks and they needed automation solution there. We had worked together with him in some other automation project earlier and there was some kind of success there. And, but when he contacted me and asked, do I have ideas how to, uh, what kind of solution would work in their case, I proposed my kind of these latest ideas I had studied and they got interested. And you know, when we talk about rubber framework, uh, usually we hear about exception testing and keyword driven is things that comes to mind. So can you tell us a bit more about these two aspects, this ATDD and KDT? Um, if you start from keyword driven testing, that's, uh, um, so that's, that's, uh, absolutely not the new invention. So that's been available for a long time. I read about that quite early in my career and that I had to kind of, uh, uh, when I was writing some early automation frameworks, I had already, I knew about that and I, some of the frameworks I created were kind of keyword driven. And then, then I studied it more and more in my master's thesis. Uh, keyword driven testing basically is just that you construct your test cases from keywords and keyword is something that it, it does something. And then uh, some frameworks separate keywords that are doing something like action and keywords that are validating something, but that's, I don't consider that so important. For example, with robot framework, when you build a test case from keywords, you just use a keyword and some of them are doing something to, us, to the system and uh, others are then validating it and so on. So that's, that's, that's what you do. So it's kind of a, really simple programming language in a sense that you have blocks that are kind of Lego blocks that, that you construct and you, you, you can mix and match them. So with different kind of keywords, you can create different kind of test cases without knowing uh, programming that well, because although it's kind of programming, it's very simple compared to kind of a, a real programming languages. So that's what keyword driven testing is. Um, acceptance driven development then is basically just a way to um, form requirements, although it has test in its name, it's a, it's more more about requirements gathering. Typically, people are more familiar with behavior-driven development, which I consider as one way to do ATDD. But kind of the, the idea there is that we create automated test cases or examples, people typically want to call them, uh, before starting the implementation, and then. Then, um, as part of the implementation, we also add needed clue code and tooling so that we can make those test cases pass. 
Road framework and keyword-driven frameworks in general work very well in this kind of approach because you, they typically allow you to make test cases, you, the right test cases, the top-level test cases, um, without having the implementation ready. So the high-level test case typically isn't tied to implementation, like for example with record and playback tool or something like that, where you cannot have anything done before the system is there. You can write the description, uh, this is how we want it to behave even when the system isn't there yet. Then, of course, you may need to refine that when, when, when the system is actually implemented. But at least the high level you can write just fine. One question uh, related with uh, coding. Uh, how, how much coding do I, do I need to know to use Robert framework? Uh, can I just uh, use it uh, out of the box with some existing uh, uh, libraries tailored for some uh, specific purpose without having to code, or do I need to code? I guess that depends on your definition of coding. I would actually say that also when creating test cases mm -hmm. with robot framework, you kind of are coding. Then, of course, the language is simple, uh, so it's not that complicated. And learning, learning the simple kind of way to construct robot framework test cases should be very easy. As I said, it's kind of building stuff from Lego blocks, basically. Yeah. So, but I don't need to to know, let's say, Python in other. No, you don't need to know. Way. You don't need to know any ex, any any kind of real programming language like that. But of course, you then need to know learn robot framework syntax. And with robot framework syntax, the simple things like how you construct your test cases are very simple. It's just basically those keywords and the possible uh, possible arguments for those keywords. Then things can also on robot framework level can get more complicated if you want to because one of the strong features in robot framework is abstractions. So um, actual implementation, um, so the things that actually are doing something for the system that you are testing or automating otherwise, they, that's always in a library. So there's always a library that is implementing using a kind of a real proper pro pro programming language, which typically is Python in robot case. Um, so you implement libraries in Python, and then they are actually interacting with the system. But then on robot framework level, you can create higher level keywords. So if your keywords in the library are really low level, like on a level of clicking a link or clicking a button, you may, and of course, typically also should then create kind of abstraction levels that are more domain specific, like login, 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 or send invoice or something like that and not talk about kind of interface terms. So that kind of keywords you can mm -hmm. create in robot framework syntax. And that's also kind of programming. You basically are creating new keywords that's kind of creating macros. Again, still mm -hmm. relatively easy, but you need to know the syntax to be able to do that. But that's something that is also for non-technical people based on my experience from running dozens or hundreds of robot framework training courses, very easy to, easy to learn. The really strong uh, point of robot framework is, though, that you can very easily then go from robot from those uh, robot framework syntax to uh, real programming language to Python. So the, the, that's one of the key features in robot framework. The library API is. So for the beginners, what are the main concepts in robot framework? Robot framework data test cases are created in files using robot framework's own syntax with dot robot extension. It, that's just plain text file, so it works very well with version control system and so on. So no need to have robot framework plugin for Git or anything like that. It just works. Uh, so that's 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 where you get your test case files. And uh, 
a file containing test case in, in robot framework is automatically a test suite. So that's how you create a suite or set of test cases. Robot frame, in robot framework, we call them suites, but well, test, that's the same thing as test set in some other terminology. Um, you can also put those files into a directory. And then when, when the, the, that directory automatically creates a high level test suite. So you can have a directory with some test, test case files, and then you have like nested director, a nested test suite structure very easily. And because it's just files and directories, it still works very well in version control system. Uh, in those files, then you can import libraries and libraries are typically then Python code and they are developed as Python modules and installed using normal Python installation mechanism. And well, that's, that's, that's how they behave. Uh, you can also, I mean, you can, you can have more generic libraries, typically bigger libraries that you actually install. They can also, there's, there's a big ecosystem around robot framework. I think we, we probably want to talk about that separately, but anyway, there's a big ecosystem too. You can install those ready-made libraries and use them. Also, you can, if you create your own, you don't necessarily need to install them. You can basically have them next to your test case files and just use them directly. But anyway, that, that's, just, that's Python code, that those are libraries. Another key component there on data level basically is that you can have so-called resource files where you can have uh, higher level keywords in robots own syntax that I was just talking about it earlier. And they are then using other possibly high, uh, possibly other high level keywords or these library keywords from imported libraries. So they are also plain text file in, in robot framework syntax, but the different concept and the test case file because they don't contain tests, they only contain keywords and possibly some variables and uh, imports and so on. Um, so those are the concepts on robot frameworks. And then of course, uh, when we have a library, the library can communicate with the system that you are testing, which is of course very important big, uh, piece of the puzzle here. So the system that you are testing is probably most important for you. Uh, the library that you have, it can communicate with the system directly or it can use some external tool for that. For example, for web testing, you probably don't want to implement a new web testing tool for yourself. You want to use something like Selenium or Playwright uh, in your library. And in robot framework case, in this ecosystem that I just mentioned, we have already made libraries for both for Selenium and, uh, Selenium and for Playwright. So Pekka, I think the, 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 the keyword concept in 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 robot is like something really relevant because it presents this layer of abstraction. You also mentioned that you can have uh, keywords that uh, are composed of uh, other keywords to have uh, an additional uh, layer of abstraction. Correct? Yes. So that's that's and a key thing. Having this high level keyword syntax in robot framework is a key for making it are possible to have um, generic libraries that can be created so that basically everybody can use. Because for example, for web testing, if you have your own application there, you want to be using domain-specific keywords in your test cases. But if they are domain-specific, they, they are not then something that someone else could use. Um, but you can have lower-level keywords that is talking with interface terms, buttons, links, stuff like that uh, and that then everybody can use and then this robot framework keyword syntax allows you to create your own domain specific language out of, um, on top of uh, on top of that 
but that's you don't know you don't need to use those high level keywords though if you want you can just have the high level desk des description in robot framework syntax and then everything else mm -hmm. in python so that's also an option which can be a really good option if you have a lot of python programmers there that are more comfortable writing python than robot framework code so let let's say that uh, i install robot and actually, I have Robert. <laughs> but let's say our listeners uh, install Robert. What kind of automation features they have out of the box uh, right away? One is that what libraries we have when you install Robot Framework. There, so there are certain yeah. so-called standard libraries that you get with Robot Framework. For example, library for processing XML, fi XML files or for string processes and stuff like that. Um, we haven't been adding that comes, standard library, standard that comes out of the box. Yeah, they work out of the box. We haven't been adding many of those lately simply because Python packaging is now nowadays working much better than it was working like 10 or 20 years ago. And it's kind of easier if libraries are external libraries because then they can de be developed outside the robot framework core and they can be released on their own kind of schedule and so on. So that Mm -hmm. We may be adding more kind of building stuff to robot framework. That's a, if 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 there's something that makes sense, but I believe that we in the future more and more have this library as an external dependency, so that you install robot framework. And then if you are doing web testing, then you install a library for web testing, and if you are doing database testing, you install a library for database testing, and so on. So it's unlikely that robot framework standard library collection will get that much bigger in the future. Um, so that's one thing. Um, another thing was this: you asked about this syntax. So that's that's definitely true that uh, Robot Framework has nowadays. Uh, it actually uh, has quite a lot of syntax, kind of programmatic syntax as well. That's relatively new addition. Robot Framework has had for loops and kind of ways to do conditional execution, like if and else, for a long time, but. It was only like two or two two years ago or something like that when we started adding more and more actual programmatic syntax to robot framework data so that you can now have if proper like uh, if and else structures, even uh, exception handling like try except stuff and while loops in addition to for loops that we already had it earlier. So we've been adding that kind of syntax there as well. Um, it makes robot framework syntax more and more like a programming language, of course, but still you don't need to use those. And like most of the time you shouldn't use them on top level test cases. It's kind of get awkward if your test case is very, very complicated. And also if you have a lot of if structures mm -hmm. on your test case top main level, then it's kind of unclear what you actually are testing. But they are very, they, are, they can, these constructs can be very helpful on then on lower level when implementing keywords and when you need to take certain uh, things into account. Also, these control structures are very useful when using robot framework for process automation, which is perhaps something we may want to talk separately again as well. Uh, but robot framework mm -hmm. nowadays is not only used for test automation, it's also used for process automation. And in there, it's more important to have more control on like conditional logic and handling handling errors and stuff like that. But yeah, that that kind of syntax has been added and most likely some new syntax will be added still in the future. It's been kind of interesting how the framework has been evolving because the initial concepts when I for robot framework in my master's thesis and earlier versions, they didn't have anything like that. Everything like that was always like the idea was that, okay, that's done in a library. But there has been concrete needs by the community and uh, <laughs> seen 
okay, it makes sense. And especially in this uh, process automation, RPA, that, that in that field, these constructs are really, really important. So we've been adding them, if but you... it still depends kind of uh, case. You don't, you don't need to use them. And uh, it's totally mm -hmm. valid to use robot framework also so that you basically have only the test case in high level there and then everything below that, all the keywords are implemented in Python. And that's fine as well. But there are so many different kind of ways, different contexts where you can use it. So you can use the level of the works. If you. you went back... If you went back in time, uh, I guess the um, the young Pekka from two thousand and five would be surprised. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It it's uh, interesting how the now a lot of our kind of design discussion are more like language design discussion. So I'm for a long time acknowledged that the frame the syntax in robot framework is a programming language in itself. Um, it can be called like low-code solution, but definitely it's not no-code solution. You can build no-code solutions on top of robot frameworks, and you can have visual editors and stuff like that, of course, if you want to. But robot frameworks in that itself, I, I acknowledge that it's a programming language. Um, and there's, of course, a balance that what we want to do, if it's, if it's too simple and too limited, then it's impossible to get things done. And then people need to implement horrible hacks to get more, a bit more complicated things done. But then when we add new syntax, then also it's kind of a, get, gets more complicated. So, but I think the balance nowadays is pretty good. I personally, I'm very happy how the new syntax that we've been adding in recent years have turned out, considering that people have had those same needs earlier and the, how they've been solved earlier when they needed to do some kind of error handling or conditional logic. And, and looking at... Uh other testing frameworks out there, many times we see this automation frameworks more focused on web applications, uh, more focused on APIs, but uh, robot framework is, is more an agnostic kind of tool, right? Uh, as you were talking about, it will depend on the libraries be beneath, but um, what kind of systems can you target with robot framework? Yeah, that's a very good point. I'm actually kind of annoyed when I see a new interesting looking blog post or something like, okay, uh, new automation tools or comparing automation tools. And then I go there and it's just like web testing tools. And like, well, that's, you, <laughs> should, you yeah. should mention that if you're comparing web testing tools to each other, because you cannot really compare robot framework, for example, with Selenium or something like that, because they're totally different things. So robot framework is a kind of very pure automation framework in the sense that it's not tied to any interface technology. Uh, the core framework, if you strip also the standard libraries away from it, actually cannot be used for testing anything because it cannot integrate in, interact with any system whatsoever. You always need to do that with libraries. And then um, the question is, what libraries do we have? Well, we do have plenty. So there are, there are ready-made libraries for web testing, databases, various kind of REST APIs, Windows UIs, Java UIs. Uh, we have even libraries for something like SAP and mainframes and stuff, that, that kind of technologies that may not be the most kind of popular or kind of hip, hip tech at the moment, but still there are libraries for those. So a lot of different kind of libraries exist. Uh, also, a very, very important domain for robot framework is embedded devices testing. And that's where you 
don't that often have ready-made libraries. You often need to implement your own libraries that are somehow interacting with that embedded device that you are developing using whatever interface there you have. But then, then anyway, that's that's a very strong field for robot because um, there aren't well ready-made tools for that domain that much that that much in general. But with robot, you if you can create the library, then you get uh, data syntax and logging and all that out of the box from robots. So it's just about creating that library. And Python happens also to be very good language on that domain because it it can interact with basically anything. And um, so when we talk about this uh, tools for testing, we always wonder how are they tested? Do you use robot framework to test robot framework or do you use something else? We absolutely use robot framework for testing robot framework. It kind of would be odd if we wouldn't, uh, kind of eating your dog <laughs> food and all that. We also have some then lower level test cases that we are use uh, that are unit tests. And uh, for unit testing, we use Python standard unit test module. PyTest would be a lot better better choice, but kind of a historical reasons why we we haven't we didn't take it into use. Back in the day, we were supporting Python and also Iron Python and some early version of Python they didn't support PyTest, so we couldn't use it from the beginning. And uh, we haven't haven't switched switched afterwards. Nowadays, I think we it would be quite, we we could do that, but there would be just quite a lot of work to change the setup. But most of our test cases, anyway, they are on higher level using robot framework. Many of those test cases are kind of integration test or not that much maybe acceptance test cases, but we are kind of using robot framework for everything where it can can be used, even even if um, it wouldn't necessarily be that good idea in in some other other scenario. For us, we are kind of taking it into its limits as just as a kind of experiment. Pekka, you earlier you mentioned well that uh, robot framework is not just around uh, testing. Uh, oh, even though we started uh, started perhaps more uh, uh, having testing in mind, but it it, it, it somehow evolved into become more generic automation framework that nowadays also covers our RPA. What are the similarities between test automation and uh, RPA? And why why robot framework, let's say, uh, can be used to tackle these two different uh, um, branches? Ah, that's a very good question. That's actually interesting from tools tool perspective. The differences are very minimal. Basically, there are none. If you think about a tool, it's the same thing. It's just basically interacting with the system and then clicking buttons. So if it's a UI, of course, if it's not the UI, then you are not clicking buttons, but basically doing things like that and then validating that things went went right. And you, of course, when you're doing any kind of automation, you want to know that did, did, did that thing that I do succeed. So in tool perspective, there's really not big difference. Actually, the, interestingly, the, the RPA support in robot framework basically is that in those test case files or suite files where you are defining test cases, you can, if you change one header where it says typically test cases and under that header you write your tests, if you change that header to tasks, then you can write task under it. But then the syntax for creating those tasks is absolutely 100% the same as creating tests. So there's no difference. 
And the framework, when it's running something, it doesn't know anything about that. Are you running a test or a task? The only thing, other thing, basically, where you see it, that when you get the log afterwards, it says typically test log. But if you are creating tasks, then it says task task log. So that's that's from the tool's perspective. That's that there aren't actually differences. But then from minds, mindset perspective, the totally, totally, absolutely different mindset. When you're doing um, test automation, you want to break things. You want to make basically take the system that you are testing into extremes and you want to try to torture it as much as you want. You can you want to do all, all the things that users shouldn't basically be doing, but they could accidentally. So you try to do, try to do something like this. Uh, also, when things go wrong, you basically want the test to fail immediately and just report the failure and provide as much information as possible. So that's basically the testing mindset. You want to break it. You want to take it all, all the all limits and then just report all the failures. Whereas in process automation, when we are trying to automate something like sending an invoice or some stuff like that, we don't want to take it into extreme. We want to be as careful as we want. We want to be. We want to consider the system that we are interacting with as like as delicate as possible, like having a, a kind of a very gentle touch and trying to be as polite as possible and do everything. Have long waits and whatnot, so that make sure that okay, this should succeed. And if it doesn't succeed, then you then you most of the time you want to try again. Which of course would be unheard of in test automation. No, it didn't work second, first time. Let's try, let's try few, three more times. Users probably won't be that that happy if, if you say that. Well, it's it succeeds and every ten twentieth time, then that's okay. But then again, if you want to get a task done and it's done automatically, you don't really need to care that much if it work succeeds immediately or on the second or third time. You want to retry. You may want to try another yeah. API like. We wanted to first try to do it via REST API. It didn't succeed. Let's try to do it from the user interface. That's not something you want to do in test automation. So mindset yeah. when you are creating those is absolutely different. You want to have error handling in, in RPA. You want to handle those somehow gracefully. It's also a good opportunity for people uh, embracing test automation, also uh, having the possibility of embracing uh, RPA uh, by reusing this the same knowledge in the same tool set that they they are used to i guess so uh, one last question before we go the time goes by um how you'll be talking about libraries and contributions so how big do you think the this community around road framework is and where what is the the main channels of communication that you guys have out there that can help anyone that may need support with Rover Framework? Um, because it's open source tool, it's impossible to know how many users we have. We have we can see page views and we can see some download numbers, but download numbers are nowadays kind of to some extent a bit meaningless because often CI systems are downloading same packages multiple times per day. So that kind of inflates those numbers. Um, but well, the community is relatively big. Uh, the most active channel at the moment we have is our Slack that you can access. It's just slack.robotframer.org. You go there and then you can get an invite to Slack uh, Slack community. Or if you already are, in, are a member, then you can just join in, uh, join in from there. 
but uh, we have at, on our Slack, I think it's something like 14,000 members. So it's a really, really big, big community there. Um, another kind of, I don't know, does it, what, what does it say? But if you look at GitHub stars, it's kind of something like seven, uh, close to 8,000, I guess, nowadays and something like this. But this, uh, it's so hard to tell anything about those numbers because, of course, for example, on our Slack, they are, well, they are somehow active because they have joined, but of course, not everybody is there talking every time, but it's, it's a very, um, very good, good uh, 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 community, very friendly. And if you, if you have questions related to robot framework, you typically get good answers. We also have a more public forum that you can access as well. Uh, we have old email list and there's a LinkedIn group and stuff like that. But yeah, the Slack is nowadays the most most uh, active one. You can find all of these if you just go to robotframework.org. So time flies, and uh, we we are now reaching the end of the episode, Pekka. So once again, thanks for being here with us and help us understand a bit more about robot framework and this whole amazing ecosystem, um, and also the vibrant community. Yeah, it was great being here. If I if I have still time, I can do a quick ad. I don't know when this podcast is going to be out, but we have a Robocon conference. We had the on-site on one in Helsinki in January, and now we are going to have online one in early March. So if, if this podcast gets out before that and people are interested, then you can go to Robocon.io. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Before ending our episode, it's time for some vitamins. We know that in general, they are good for our, our health. In this case, we'll be talking about vitamin X, where X stands for X-ray. With X-ray, you can perform acceptance uh, testing or even perform acceptance test-driven development using Robert framework without ever losing information about your test results in JIRA, your single source of truth. X-ray provides information on the test results, not only at high level, but also at keyword level giving you the ability to drill down in case your keywords are composed in turn by other keywords. If you use Robot Framework's Linear Library or Robot Framework Browser Library, you may also take screenshots in your UI tests, and then this will become visible in Jira, so the team can analyze the test results in finer detail. Whether you start developing a story from scratch and wish to embrace ATDD from the start, or else if you are testing an existing feature, you can use Robot Framework to help build a comprehensive and manageable test suite and use X-Ray to track the results and the impacts on the related stories or requirements. With X-Ray, you may annotate your Robot Framework test cases with the story issue key, for example, uh, to have it automatically uh, linked to it whenever importing the test results. You may also add custom tags to your test cases and then they will become uh, labels in your test issues. So you can easily find or manage them afterwards. And you may not even need to worry about too much about Jira uh, because whenever you upload the results, tests are automatically provisioned for you if needed. Focus on having value. Focus on writing comprehensive and powerful automated test cases with Robot Framework instead. And as all good things come to an end, also this episode is reaching its end. And we have seen that RoboFramework is a well-known automation-focused framework 
highly popular in the test automation space that has more recently also embraced RPA. With Robo Framework, Tester can easily create automated test scripts without having to code, taking advantage of the fact that Robo Framework is a keyword-driven framework. Many keywords are either available out of the box, provided by the community as libraries. Skilled testers or developers can further extend Robo Framework to their needs and implement new keywords, for example. But all this is only relevant because of the underlying community, which is quite supportive. So why not give it a try? So see you in our next therapy session. Happy testing. Happy testing.